0: Go This is the Ike Wingate Show. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning and welcome to the final show of January 2024. Happy Wednesday, everybody. My name's Ike Wingate. Thanks so much for being here. Bright and early celebrity birthdays, this day in history, random facts coming up. A woman gives birth at a McDonald's. Caught doing good, a dog helps save a life. We'll be talking law in studio with Thurman and Flanagan today as well. And on the first date, is it okay to split the bill? The recent internet story has everyone talking. All that more coming up today, brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or call 479-253-1234. Good morning. And it is now time for your celebrity birthdays here for Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Joel Courtney is 28, the kid from Super 8. Amy Jackson, British actress who played Saturn Girl on the CW's Supergirl, is 32. Marcus Mumford, the lead singer of Mumford & Sons, is 37. Tyler Hubbard, the Georgia half of Florida-Georgia line, is 37. Justin Timberlake is 43. Bobby Moyahan, former SNL cast member, 47. Kerry Washington, who plays Olivia Pope on Scandal, is 47. Let's see. Anna Silk, who is Bo in Sci-Fi's Lost Girl, is 50 today. Uh, Let's see, actress Portia De Rossi is 51. Minnie Driver, actress, 54. Anthony LaPaglia. Apparently, he originally wanted to play Tony Soprano in The uh, Sopranos. James Gandolfini became a household name by taking this role, but Anthony LaPaglia is still alive. So who's the winner there? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, he's 65 today. Johnny Rotten from the group The Sex Pistols is 68. Harry Casey is... The KC in KC in the Sunshine Band is 73. Jonathan Banks, the guy in Better Call Saul. He is Saul's fixer, Mike Trout, He is 76 today. Baseball Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan is 77. It's National Backward Day, National Hot Chocolate Day, and on this day in history, the 13th Amendment in the United States... Constitution abolished slavery in America on this date in 1865. The first social security check issued to one Ida Mae Fuller in Vermont for $22.54 on this date in 1940. Back in 1976, on this date, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Terry Bradshaw launched a short-lived country music career with a release of I Am So Lonesome I Could Cry. It actually hit number 17 on the country charts. The Wonder Years premiered on ABC. On this date in 1988, it ran for five years. Let's see here. McDonald's first opened in the Soviet Union on this date in 1990 back in 1993 the Cowboys the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 52 to 17 in Super Bowl 27 on this date What else do we have Samuel Alito sworn in as a Supreme Court justice On this date in 2006, he'll turn 74 this year. And those are your celebrity birthdays and this day in history. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your random facts. The middle finger has been an obscene gesture for around 2,500 years. The ancient Greeks developed it as a phallic gesture. Wow, that's odd. Although at the time it was more of a joke... Uh, than the aggressive, offensive tone that it has today. My goodness, that's been around for a while. Okay. Uh, John Elway didn't just play football. He pitched and played right field when he was at Stanford. The New York Yankees drafted him in the second round of the 1981 draft. That was five spots ahead of Tony Gwynn, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Elway got $150,000 for playing for a Yankees minor league team. But then he decided to go to the NFL. What a guy. Pro in two sports. All right. There are two countries in South America that are totally landlocked. Bolivia and Paraguay. Every other country touches an ocean in South America. Eric Estrada didn't have a motorcycle license when he was on the show Chips. He was doing illegal things. And finally... Dick Cheney's Labrador was banned from Camp David for attacking George W. Bush's Scottish Terrier. You know, they say sometimes dogs mimic their owners. I don't know if that's correct. But uh, anyway, those are your random facts. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Happy Wednesday. Up next hour, talking Law with the team at Thurman and Flanagan. Well, you've heard of these stories where a lady gives birth Maybe on the way to the hospital or something like that. Well, in Wisconsin, a lady up the ante. She ended up giving birth to her child in the parking lot of a McDonald's during a winter storm. She had her own little McNugget. This is Annalisa and Daniel Beck, along with the firefighter who helped deliver their new son, Micah, talking about the crazy experience. We're driving and then her mom is driving behind us and we're probably five minutes down the road. Right here is where the baby was born, right in the trunk. She was crowning. They showed up and they ran in and kind of saved the day. It hit me like halfway through and I just kind of laid my head back in the trunk and I was like, I'm having my baby at McDonald's. <laughs> this cannot be real. Unfortunately, in this field, we see a lot of people leaving this earth and it was nice to see the other side of it and help somebody deliver their child, which I think is super cool. Yeah, well, a positive story out there, giving birth in a trunk in McDonald's. Of course, after the baby was born, the McDonald's employee said, do you want fries with that? Ever caught someone doing a good job? Tell us about it. Well, this time of year we've been hearing a lot about these icy pond, icy lake rescues. It happened in Michigan again. A man fell through the ice of a frozen lake and was rescued by a police officer who used the stranded man's dog to get him equipment and get him pulled to safety. This is audio from Officer Cameron Bennett's body cam as he rescued the man with his own dog.
1: Send your pup here. Will she come to me? Ruby, come here. Come here, Ruby. Come here. Will she get a hold of this? Come here. Call her. Call her. Just stay around your belly. Give right. your hand. Stay around your belly.
0: Wow. So the dog was not heavy enough to fall through and was able to run this rescue gear out to the man so he could be pulled to safety. A dog is a hero, my friends. That is caught doing good. If you got a good story out there, we'd love to tell it. Email it to show at IkeWingate.com. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, here's a really strange random crime. A 17-year-old kid in Utah is facing charges... For taping dead fish to ATM machines. He's been going around to different ATMs and duct taping fish to the screens. He's uh, also been, of course, uploading the footage to social media. He's currently got over 57,000 followers on Instagram and goes by the name Fish Bandit. Reminds me of the Wet Bandits from Home Alone. Just basically telegraphing every crime he's committed. His tagline is, live, laugh, tape fish to ATMs. Cops in Provo, Utah says he's duct taped at least 13 fish to 13 ATMs since last August. He also posted a video around the holidays of three fish duct taped to the side of a parked police cruiser. He's facing charges for property damage stemming from the cleanup that had to be done in this fishy, fishy story that is stranger than fiction. Good morning. And good morning to you. We are back in studio talking law with Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan. Great to
1: see you this morning, Greg. What are we going to learn? Ike, thank you for having me back in the studio today. I want to talk a little bit to our audience about our courts. I notice there's a lot of confusion when I talk to people. They don't understand the difference sometimes between district court and circuit court and the types of cases that each court hears.
0: Excellent. Let's go. I'm ready to learn this because uh, there's a lot of these things I have no idea about.
1: Well, Ike, for years, the district courts were part-time courts. The judges actually were part-time judges. They had their own law practice, and then they would serve in a part-time role as district judge. I actually was appointed by the governor of Arkansas to fulfill two terms of a district judgeship there in the Eastern District of Carroll County. But I also was able to keep my full-time practice. In 2017, that all changed. Our district courts became full-time courts, where the judges became full-time district judges. The district courts are where you hear the misdemeanor cases. These are Criminal cases in which you are not facing long, you know, prison sentences. You're typically traffic violations, offenses that our legislature has decided are less punishable than those that are of felonious behavior, or the felonies that the circuit courts hear. District court judges uh, are the ones that have the first appearances after somebody has been arrested. They typically will review the facts to make sure the facts warrant the arrest, support the arrest, and they also will set bond, uh, or they will release the person on their own recognizance and set their initial court date, which will be the date that they come in to, you know, basically make their first appearance in front of the judge. District courts also handle what we call small claims. As part of the change in district courts, when they became part-time to full-time courts, the legislature raised the limits from $5,000. Any claim that was 5000 or more had to be brought in circuit court, but the legislature made the change and said, we're going to raise those small claims limit up to 25000 Small claims sounds like a great idea. You could represent yourself. You know what Abe Lincoln said about that. Uh, when I was a district judge, I would see certain cases that belong there between people where they came in and, and acted as their own attorney. The reality is when you get cases that are substantial, uh, most people want to have representation and most lawyers are going to want have that case in circuit court because the district court is not a court of record meaning that there is not a court reporter there taking down everything that is said and so most attorneys are going to take any claim that has a value and they're going to want to have that in circuit court where there is a court of record so that it can be appealed to the court of appeals or to the arkansas supreme court
0: and then what is the larger court where the big time cases are well, circuit
1: court, that is where the felony cases are heard. It is also where the civil cases, uh, the majority of the civil cases are heard. It is also the court where domestic relations, divorces, custody, paternity. It's also the, the court where you have a probate. Estates get divided depending on if a person has a will, the will will get probated. And so the circuit court handles pretty much all of the criminal felony cases and the majority of the civil cases in our system. And none of these are presided over
0: by a county judge.
1: No, that is a big misnomer. In Arkansas, we have a what we call a county judge. And the way people need to think about that is the county judge is like the mayor of the county. County judges typically are not attorneys. And so it confuses people when our circuit judge, you know, runs for office. The district judge is also an elected office and these people are out running for offices to be elected either district or circuit judge and some of the constituents are asking them about potholes and things that they think <laughs> that, that they can can do for them. Uh, And so it just came to my attention that a lot of people don't recognize the difference between a circuit judge, district judge, uh, and county judge. And the county judge is, the way I look at it is they kind of are the mayor of the county, you have the quorum court, which is kind of your city council. But when I'm talking about a district judge, I'm talking about somebody that's going to handle the misdemeanors, going to set the bonds on the first appearances, going to review the arrest to make sure the facts warranted, and then is going to listen to the cases that come before Small claims is what I'm talking about. And like I said, the legislature raised that limit to where you can take small claims up to 25,000, used to be 5,000. But I, I do find that still most cases of value end up in circuit court on the civil side because the parties typically and lawyers want that record. So in circuit court, you have cases, both criminal and on the civil side, the criminal cases are the felonies. They're the ones that are more have been deemed more serious uh, by our lawmakers, and they're the ones that typically carry prison sentences if people are convicted. So we have our judge, circuit judge, that listens and you know, presides over the criminal docket, and then the circuit judge also presides over the civil docket. On the civil side, you're going to have breach of contract cases, you know, bodily injury cases. You're going to have disputes in real estate. You're going to have basically any type of civil dispute you can think of of value can end up in circuit court on the civil docket. In a in addition, the circuit judge and circuit court, they overhear probate. So if somebody either died without a will, their estate's going to be distributed through the probate pro- process. They're going to have died into state without a will. Or if they die with a will, then that will is going to be probated and it's going to go through probate court, which is also a division of circuit court. So the circuit court oversees a ton of civil stuff, a ton of criminal stuff, but the more serious stuff, of course, the felony stuff is where the circuit court comes into play. And the district court has tried to take some of the pressure off by raising that limit from 5,000 for small claims up to 25,000. But in practice, I'm not seeing necessarily a a huge influx of, of civil cases in district court because they've raised that limit. It seems like most things of value end up back in circuit court.
0: Well, very good. Thank you, Greg. That uh, definitely clears up a lot of the confusion on the different types of courts. Thank you again for being here in studio. It's Talkin' Law with Thurman and Flanagan. Well, is it okay to split the bill on the first date? Apparently, there is a guy, and he went viral, right? A guy in Miami. He went on a first date at a restaurant with a woman. He asked out on Tinder. Uh, She got angry... When he asked to split the bill, and they continued to argue about it in his car, and he secretly recorded the video of it
1: all. Why are we splitting the bill? Well, I mean, it's our first date, so I thought we should maybe go half. I can't believe you made us split the bill. I mean, you ordered an appetizer that I didn't even touch. Why do you think that I should? Okay, pay but for you it? asked me out. I know but you ordered something you that you asked me out all right i'll just take you home all right see ya
0: bye okay so it didn't end well people were making a lot of comments on his video post yeah of course he secretly recorded and posted it this is his follow-up to uh asking the lady to split the bill does this help his case or hinder it what I don't understand is you ask for the date, so you pay. It's not like I'm forcing anybody to go on a date with me. Clearly, we are both 50 50 on the date. She wants to be there just as much as I want to be there. It's not like I'm forcing her to date me or go on a date with me. We both want to be there equally. Therefore, we should split the bill equally. What do you think? Does this guy, uh, is he just crazy? Because he asked her on the date but did not pay the bill? Or is it because it's you know so early on, is it expected to split? Let me know what you think. Send me a text, 870-505-1518. Good morning. Coming up on Friday, it is Groundhog Day. Then put your
1: little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb.
0: Yes, PETA now wants to get rid of... Punxsutawney Phil, the groundhog that comes out to see its shadow and tell us whether or not we're going to have more winter. It's, of course, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Yeah, they they, they want to replace Punxsutawney Phil with a giant gold coin, which would be flipped with one side calling for six more weeks of winter and an early spring on the other side of the coin. Now, it's unclear if the coin actually exists, but PETA has created a an image of what it would look like. Apparently, Punxsutawney Phil has been making predictions since 1886 and is right about 39% of the time. They think it would be better off, uh, more accurate with a coin. Come out and see a shadow. Punxsutawney Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's... Groundhog Day! Get up yeah. and check my hog out! Uh, PETA says groundhogs can't make heads or tails of the weather forecast and shouldn't be jostled around by large members of a different species and thrust in front of noisy crowds for a photo op. Yes. And there'll be a new name for the day, they say as well. No more Groundhog Day. They suggest something like whether there'll be more Winter Day. Apparently PETA not great at coming up with slogans. Do you agree? Is it cruel to allow the groundhog to come out and see its shadow, or would you rather and would you rather see a coin flip instead? Not not as fun flipping a coin. What do you think? 870-505-1518. Groundhog Day coming up on Friday. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning. Thank you for being here. Today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or call 479-253-1234. Not to alarm you, but Valentine's Day is two weeks from today. How much are you going to spend? According to a new report, the average American in a relationship thinks they should spend around $158 on their significant other. On the flip side, 30% of people in relationships say they're not planning on spending money on Valentine's Day because it's too expensive. There are other ways to celebrate. It's all about expectations. For people who want their significant other to spend money on them, 21% 21% said that if they found out they weren't getting anything, they would just buy something for themselves instead. So, are you one of the people that's going to be gifting yourself on Valentine's Day? 17% of people polled said they would insist that the other person make it up, make up for it another time. 16% would give their significant other the silent treatment. And 10% would respond by shutting down any Valentine's Day plans altogether. And 10% would use this opportunity to break up with their significant other. (laughs) So, I don't know, if you're looking to be broken up with, don't get anything for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Apparently, the younger generations feel more pressure to spend on Valentine's Day. Gen Z and millennials say they feel more pressure to spend, and they're more likely to report that they'll need to go into debt to some degree to afford their Valentine's Day present. That's just not a good idea. But whatever. Anyway. What do you think? Will you be gifting yourself? Do you expect a gift on Valentine's Day? You know, the older we get, the less we expect, I guess. I think it's a completely produced holiday and but still if you don't get anything, you are in trouble. At least something. At least something to say you're special. Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government,